There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Market House has the cleanest, leanest, juiciest meat and seafood shipped to your home overnight. Expect the service of a local butcher and the convenience of a large supplier. Unlike many online butchers, you can grab just one meal's worth or lock in for a subscription box. Choose from grass-fed and grass-finished beef, American Wagyu, free-range poultry, grass-fed lamb, wild-caught king crab, seafood, and more. For 15% off your first order, use code COUNTRY at checkout. Just visit MarketHouse.com. That's M-A-R-K-E-T-H-O-U-S-E dot com. And use the code COUNTRY. Hey, I'm Tyler. And I'm KC. And you're listening to... The Element Podcast. What's going on, all my woods people? Sitting here on a rainy day, getting ready for some Thanksgiving stuff. We got uh, a couple turkeys in the house, mainly KC. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we got some bucks on the wall, man. You and know, more coming. You know what's funny about turkeys is that um, mm. we associate turkeys probably mostly by shooting them. Mm. It's like what a hunter thinks about. But. A non-hunter or your average person thinks about turkeys first with Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. What do you think the second most common thought about a, thir- a turkey is? Sandwiches. That could be true. Turkey meat, eating. Uh, goofballs. I think it's bowling. Bowling. Because you get a turkey if you get like three strikes in a row. Oh. And that what it's See, called? I've never done that, so yeah. I don't know. <laughs> so I bet you there's a lot of people that think about turkeys. Yeah. Uh when they think about bowling. You think when they think about a, a actual live turkey, you think it's they, most people think it's white. Joe Biden does. <laughs> you see his, <laughs> no. his stupid you know, that that's a thing that the presidents do every year, pardon a turkey. Yeah, that's right. Know. That's right. And I, I, I would hate to think about the millions of tax dollars it takes to make that happen. Um I'm not yeah, think about it, you know. If you think about like, um, think about Jeff Bezos, how much money he makes per second, mm-hmm. right? So no matter what he's doing, it's like costing money if yeah. he's not working. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So and I mean, the US how much is, is the U.S. Worth, government making a second? Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's costing a lot. Cry. Okay. Anyways, uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry to take us down that path. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it is Turkey Day. It or is Turkey, to be day. turkey Day. Well, yeah. Um, 
Y'all, uh, y'all got some, where y'all getting y'all's turkey from? I don't know if we're eating turkey. Really? Yeah. Interesting. I don't, Counterculture. I don't really like the Thanksgiving turkey application too much. Gotcha. I like smoked turkey legs pretty good. Mm-hmm. I usually eat the red meat. I'm not a turkey breast guy, at least in that sense. I love turkey breasts from wild turkeys, frying it up. Mm-hmm. It's the best nugget you'll ever have. Mm. Like, oh, I got. Mm. I, I did a little freezer clean out yesterday. I got three breast lobes in my freezer. Wow. How'd yeah. those get by? I don't know. I think one of them is, uh, I don't know what it's from. It might be a few years old, but it still looked pretty good. It's vacuum sealed, so yeah, it's doing pretty good. Man, about to eat some of that. That's for tasty. Sure. Yeah. I, uh, we're getting our turkey from Marshall's. Ooh, pretty excited about that. Was he smoking it or? I think so. Yeah, yeah. But not this one, uh, but the next Thanksgiving I have. So mm. yeah, but yeah I actually ever... am low on Thanksgivings this year. Me too. So I'm glad it worked out. I didn't get invited to one of them. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah. what uh, that's what's fixing to happen for you a lot. It's that's just right. not being invited that's to things, right, man. You know, well, <laughs> I ain't got a paying job like working for the Cowboys, but <laughs> uh, it's uh, it worked out well. I was gone, mm. whatever. It's always screaming hot in that house. <laughs> yeah, oh man, yeah, dude. People they like hurt, turn the heat on, get the house up to seventy, which is too hot, anyways. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, there's twenty six people and. Uh, no, that's eighty-seven. Foot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like, why is everybody hanging out on the front porch? <laughs> Just because uh, that's how it always is. Any any older person's house you go to, though, my my grandparents are that way. You know, they just I guess you get old, you get a little thin skinned. That's why I'm hot. so cold all the time, man. Man, old. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but oh. we we actually are uh, on a hiatus at the moment. I guess you'd say. Uh, from hunting, we've hunted so much this November. Mm-hmm. It's been a great blessing. Yeah, and now we're at home for a few days to uh, kind of do the family thing. And I kind of have said I'm I'm not gonna push too much to go hunt, you mm-hmm. know, because it'd be at home with wife and kids. Some, yep. Uh, but it feels good too as yeah, well. It does um, rest a little bit. Yeah, which my house is all sick, so. Rest is relative. Yeah. Um, but we got a few sick too. Yeah. Everybody's sick right now, from what I understand. I know, man. Um, but I've been getting some good rest too. Went to yeah. bed. I probably, probably got like nine hours last night. So, that but the night four, not so much. But, you know, I, <coughs> it's, uh, it's nice because I've been doing the, uh, probably like nine o'clock to four fifteen mm-hmm. wake up deal for, it's just like I, I need eight. I can go without for a while, mm-hmm. but I've been going at without for a while. So <laughs> if I don't get it, then I just continually get more and more just uh, vertigo, pretty much mm-hmm. is what it is. So yeah. <laughs> well, uh, that was the hardest adjustment coming home this past week. Was um, I've been going to sleep at like you know before nine mm-hmm. and getting up at four. And then your family isn't on that schedule, and you're not changing their schedule <laughs> to meet your needs when you come yeah. home. So, uh, by the way, uh, you just get to be t- real tired for the last two hours of the day. <laughs> yeah. And then also, um, yeah, you, you wake up real early uh, mm, when know, there's dude. nothing else to do. So, yeah. But I'm kind of back on the normal schedule. I got sick when I got home, too, so that kind of mm. helped in a weird way. Is Lots of sickness, like, man. more sleep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we've got a... We've got some 
more hunting to do for sure, mm-hmm. and um, I'm pretty excited about it. We we yeah. we're gonna do the family thing and Thanksgiving thing and enjoy it. I promise you. But we're gonna be back out in the woods pretty soon. And uh, that's what I was gonna say. Well, ago is like I kind of told myself I wasn't gonna push, and then now between trail camera photos and seeing bucks last night, like across the fence from my place, I'm like. <laughs> it's a little different when you can walk out your backyard and hunt in 200 yards it is you know like yeah. it's different than leaving and going somewhere overnight mm-hmm. you know so it, it i think that you know that is helpful plus mm-hmm. it's just you know you're just on your own land man it's cool yeah, so it is but you know we do have a good podcast actually today i think an interesting topic that kc came up with i think it's going to be pretty good talk about kind of some of the things we've been seeing and doing and some of the things that we potentially will do in the next couple of weeks. And then also maybe this stuff is something that can help you be successful. But the idea is uh, putting yourself out of the game to be in the game. That's kind of the idea. And so weird. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Uh, but there's, there's a couple of different concepts we want to talk about. There's uh, a couple of different hunts we want to talk about. I guess uh, first off, I'll just kind of tell a story quick story of my Oklahoma hunt, which was, I don't even know how long ago now, but not very long ago. It feels like forever, but I don't think it was. <laughs> it was less than a week ago. Yeah, it was pretty, 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 not too long ago for sure. So, um, went to Oklahoma, still had lots of rut in action. Um, at the time, the bucks were definitely cruising hard, looking for does. Some of them were kind of, uh, you know, if they found a doe that was receptive, they would lock down pretty well. Um, and basically, um, long story short, I was hunting, um, (laughs) I was hunting like in a way that was basically spot and stalk, um, hunting some, decided to do more hunting of open country, especially in the mornings. Mm -hmm. Um, I had thought that I would do more evening sitting in like funnels, but Honestly, there was so much pressure, so many people around, and it was making me not want to go sit in a place that potentially somebody had been sitting, messing mm-hmm. up, or was sitting, you know, upwind of me 200 yards or whatever. It's just like every, every, every like obvious place you would like to hunt had a truck pulled in, parked at, and it's mm-hmm. just like, man, this is just a struggle. And you and I work really hard at this, and oftentimes we're able to come up with something because of the effort put in. You know what's funny? How often that come up with something comes after like six to eight hours of despair. Oh, yeah. You know? It's like... You're about done with it. Yeah, you're like forced into a corner and you're so mad and Mm -hmm. sad and everything. And then like the epiphany happens. Yeah. And it works. Yeah. Um you know, if you're teaching your kids something that's valuable, in my opinion, creativity and problem solving are about as top notch mm-hmm. of a skill as you can have. And that's something uh, I th- my parents taught me to work at for sure, um, especially the creativity side. And uh, I can tell you're the same way, you know, um, and I think that that is very helpful. So if you're not a very creative guy, it's something you can work on. It's, it's actually something you can get better at. And same with problem solving, which most of you guys listening to this thing are probably pretty good problem solvers. Well, I think that a lot of people stifle their creativity by calling things dumb ideas. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, dude, how? think back to December 30th, 2021. Like, how dumb does it sound to hang in a tiny little tree next to a water trough 
in the late winter. Yeah. You know, but yeah. if you don't tell yourself it's a dumb idea and then you just say, you know what? I think it might work. Yeah. That's kind of stuff play, pays off. Yeah, for yeah. sure, man. For sure. I mean, I think that's something, you know, for most people, I, if I'd give a tip, that's <laughs> something to work on, man. Mm-hmm. It's creativity and problem solving, kind of stepping out of the box a little bit. Um, what can you do, like, not hunting application to help you be creative? Draw yeah. pictures of deer. Yeah. That's yeah. what you did when you were I mean, a kid? Dude, I, that's what I did. Yeah, I don't know if that's... I mean, that's just... I'm just throwing some stuff out, but, like, there are all kinds of stuff outside of hunting that can help that. I mean, I have written songs, hundreds of songs. Mm-hmm. I mean, so that's, like, that's a that's a that's something that has helped my creativity. But, like, anything you can do that makes something out of thin air mm-hmm. is um, a good thing. Yeah. And you know what I was telling my kids last night? Like, it's one of those, uh, you know... In the Bible, you see Imago Dei, which means created in the image of God. We're created in God's image. And part of a big part of who God is, in my opinion, is a creative person. I mean, a creative being, right? Like, yeah, he's the most creative. He created all this out of nothing. Yeah, all everything out of nothing, right? Yeah. And so, and then he also has created a redemption path for us as well through Jesus, right? Like, there's that's a creative thing. It's actually so creative that nobody in Hollywood has ever topped the story, but they keep recreating it. Right? Oh yeah, keep recreating yeah. it. This as like an illusion. die for your friends kind of thing, yeah. you know? Yeah. The I hero. tell my youth kids this stuff all the time that like that it is. You know, if you listen to this podcast long enough, you know we're believers, right? So, like, if you if you don't believe, I'm sorry, it's the truth, okay? But like, um, the uh, everything that is not of God is something that works against God, okay? And that is a futile fight, but it's still out there. And Hollywood is just that. Hmm. Every that people don't understand it, man. The great delusion of like. The story of the Christ is so unique. So what is Satan going to do? He 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 doesn't want to be a different God. He wants to be like God, right? The mm-hmm. the the seven eye wheels in Isaiah, I think, right? Isn't that where it's at? Where as for Satan, hey, I want to be like the most high, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. what's he going to do? He's going to create all these stories that sound and try to make the create or the redemption story not as unique and special as it is, mm-hmm. right? So every single time you see this like Oh, great story of this person, you know, getting the purple heart. No offense to anyone who has a family member, right? But mm-hmm. you get what I'm saying. Like, that's just Satan trying to lessen yeah. how great of a story the real thing is. But it should point you to God. Yeah. It should say, like, this is an awesome being that has a purple heart. Mm-hmm. Think about our creator. It's a typology. Right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So kind of cool. But anyway. What were we talking about, dear Creativity. <laughs> creativity. <laughs> um, if you... You know that's that is a characteristic that I think is important mm-hmm. to bolster and to, to uh, be a part of because it is a quality of God, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so thinking about that, like that's something you should work on often, I think, and you can do it in a lot of different ways. And guys who are like, there's a lot of like blue collar dudes that would never go to an art museum. Mm-hmm. Because that's kind of, you know, dumb or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But at the same time, like, those dudes are creative every day in a welding shop or whatever. Well, that's what I was going to say a while ago. I think, so, I was a GT kid. I think Mm. you were too, Mm -hmm. right? Like, they point out that you have, like, a creative thing or something about you. Uh, If you weren't, it doesn't mean you're not creative. That's It's Mm. kind of weird. But um, one of the things that growing up is that was kind of fostered with me. But I would say that... 
one of the things that made me more creative was being a carpenter mm-hmm. and being a framer because like figure out how to fix everybody's problems. Yeah, then you end up like. <laughs> All of a sudden, you built this house, and you're trying to put up the purlin rafter, and then, like, things aren't fitting right, and then you have to figure out where it went wrong or, Mm -hmm. like, how to make a certain yoke a right way to make it still work. And, like, that's some of the most creative dudes I've met probably can't formulate a sentence on paper. You know? (laughs) I'm serious. Like, Mm -hmm. just because you're not a well-educated person doesn't mean that you aren't creative, you know? Yeah. So, I think there is some exercises you can do with that, And, and... you know, if you're wanting to be creative to kill deer, maybe you look at on X. You look at one of your most valuable pins, like one of your favorite stands, and you say you have the wind direction thing turned on. You know, and then you could go around the compass rows, say the wind's coming from each direction, and say why it does and why it doesn't work on that wind. And then you could say, look at the property, and then write down every scenario of how you could hunt it. And make it work on every wind. On every wind. Yeah, it's a good yeah. idea. Yeah, no, that's a good exercise. I think, um, <coughs> I think that also battling. Uh, this is obviously not what I like doing, but it's almost a battle when you when you have so many people hunting mm-hmm. in a in an area or on different public or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like battling that pressure of people causes you to practice being more creative. Mm-hmm. In the first couple of years, you do that probably not going to be successful oh it's a real good way to go not see anything yeah <laughs> i mean and even years down the road you still mm-hmm. probably not going to be successful honestly but like you'll get better at finding some sort of little niche that you can go hunt and feel decent about mm-hmm. it's and weird so, the concept of the overlook spot is a very like popular thing but an actual overlook spot is way more rare than just a bad spot yeah, I see a lot of guys hanging bad spots, thinking they're overlooked spots. I've yeah. done it too. Yeah, you know, like it's like, oh man, hundred yards off the road, nobody's gonna. Yeah, it's also because no deer go there. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> yeah, it's a, a it's an oasis of uh, desert yeah, essentially. Right. <laughs> so it's a, it's just all irony, man. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, I I think that. Um, you know, for me, that was one thing that really came into play when I was up there in Oklahoma. Um, I was hunting a, <laughs> I was hunting a, um, you know, area with lots of people. And so I ended up deciding that instead of like putting myself in a hole where somebody else potentially could have been, I would do a little more visual stuff and I would try to see what, what are the deer doing? What can I learn from them in areas where I can kind of see them better? Mm-hmm. And so I'd, ended up in this area and um like i said i was going to turn this into a long story short but we ended up <laughs> going off on a tangent there um the long story short is um we're creating a spot here that nobody else is hanging out because it doesn't look very good from the from the road and it doesn't look like a whole lot it doesn't look like the best part of this property on a map mm-hmm. but i started thinking about it and i was like you know what I'll look a little more detailed into this oh yeah if i walk a mile in then i'm i'm working with some stuff it's there. a good way to like make yourself creative real quick yeah is to just be a mile in and then yeah. all of a sudden you feel pretty creative because there's yeah. no dudes no that's, dudes right. that's yeah. right dudes don't want to be a mile in there's no other way into this this particular part of the property than walk a mile yeah and now i'm talking about good. straight line miles oh yeah two you yeah. start you start looking at your your tracker mm-hmm. on Onyx or whatever, and it's yeah. like one point six. This is something that if you ever hear me talk about distance, I'm I'm almost always straight line distancing. Mm-hmm. So like, 
I don't wear a watch that tells me how far I go, and mm-hmm. I don't put my tracker on very often. So you'll never hear me say, oh, we walked 15 miles today because, I mean, yes, technically we up would and have down up steps, and down and yeah. all that. But, like, I'm always just going with the straight line pretty mm-hmm. much just because that's – I don't wear a watch, and tell me, it doesn't tell me how it works. So mm-hmm. anyway, uh, we go a mile in, and as soon as we get down there, dude, we, like – first spot we stop it's kind of hard because this stuff is open right and uh you don't know where to stop where you you know you need to be able to see stuff but you also don't want to be seen so mm-hmm. anyway we uh we flushed some ducks off a little pond and uh i think that there was a deer bedded by the pond because he stood up and was looking at us like 30 seconds later we just saw him looking at mm-hmm. us standing there so we got busted nice buck very nice buck and then um I was like, it, you know, and I think he went back in and just bedded, but he still knew we were there. Um, and then I see something up on the hill and it's a doe. She's kind of acting weird. And, you know, I'm going to keep trying to do this long story short thing. There was a buck with her. Nice buck. I could tell. So we make a move down. Uh, wind's blowing kind of out of the north. So we're going to try to swing around to the south side of them a little bit. So we've got to go through these like little draws mm-hmm. along the main draw here. And we're kind of going up and down. Um, we get to, it's me and Michael, Michael's videoing. We get to a point where um, we can see the buck and we have this heads up decoy. So I, I we sit down on the side of this hill, show him the decoy. He's about 150 yards away. And he acts like nothing's going on. And this is something, this is a point I'm going to make later on when we start talking about more of that out of the game to be in the game stuff. Mm-hmm. But he acted like, He's just going to sit there and think about it for a little bit. Like, that's what he was doing. But he he didn't act like he paid much attention to us. But I know he saw us right off the bat because he looked at us, right? Then he started licking on this little tree and then ended up, he starts coming at us up this little draw from the main draw. Um, And so I'm like, all right, here he comes. And he's about to do this. I'm like trying to figure out how I'm going to hold this decoy and get a shot at him. And, you know, can Michael help me out? All this stuff. Well, then he kind of walks behind the other, the next point down to the south. And I'm like, he's going to come down the other side, the other hill of this little draw and try to wind us at like 70. And I'm like, I ain't letting this happen. <laughs> so I dropped, I had to, when he started coming, I took my quiver off because I want to make a good shot. If, it, if it, Especially if I'm going to shoot a longer shot, which a lot of times that happens out there. Take my quiver off, set it beside Michael, go across. And uh, or, so I, I was going to shoot. Anyway, I decided when he went down wind, I'd go across. Well, I'll leave my quiver with michael didn't think about it i was just trying to get over there and make a good shot um he never shows up i'm on the top of the other hill next to these plums and we're looking back and forth at each other like hand signaling and he's like i don't know i don't see him i don't see him we're just back and forth finally he goes hey i see him he's down he points like down in the bottom or whatever and then he just starts michael just finally starts walking over to me well um in case you didn't know my quiver's over there Michael's not bringing my quiver. <laughs> I hadn't thought about this yet, okay? Because yeah. I'm thinking about what the, what is he what's he about to tell me. He tells me that they're working down south. So we're going to go over this next ridge and back down to the next little draw, right? And um, so we take off. We walk about 40 yards, and I go, ah, my quiver. I don't have my quiver. And uh, he's like, you want me to go back and get it? Well, at this point, it's like 120 yards probably and back over the hill, and things are happening quick. I'm like, no, nah, I just got to make a good shot. I mean, just what it boils down to. So we take off and we go down there. 
Long story short, again, we get down into <laughs> the uh, we get down into the bottom, and we're kind of walking around the end of this little draw to the main draw. And I see I had seen actually I had seen a spike come down into the draw to get into the mix like mm-hmm. ten minutes earlier, and uh, I, I see the spike at like fifty. And he's looking right at us when we come around the corner. So I just drop down, put the heads up decoy up. He starts walking. He, long story short, he takes a second and Ooh, starts uh, walking start to us. You money. Yeah, I'm going to keep saying it because I'm trying to make this. I'm trying to. You, that you know, just means there's a lot more there. There's than a lot what more there. Me. That's yeah. exactly right. And so he uh, he comes at me and starts walking to us. And all of a sudden, we're sitting there. Michael's videoing. And a, a doe blasts through, like from from right to left, across, like out of the the uh, little hill that I you know can't see around, and I just seen this spike right in front of the spike, just takes off uh, running, and I'm like, oh, dad, gum it! And as soon as she comes through, the buck that we were trying to shoot comes through even closer to us, and I'm like, set the decoy down. He's looking over at her. When I set the decoy, and this is all happening very fast, y'all. I set the decoy down. I think he might have seen that out of his peripheral. And so he kind of like turns and stops and is looking at us. He's like broadside. And I learned this from KC, but I, I, uh, I pull my range finder up and I hit him with the range finder as he's looking at me. I have decided y'all that I'm not going to rush stuff because you, what you can do on the ground is you can get into a panic mode and rush stuff really bad on the ground because you are eye level. They see you most of the time if you're in open stuff like this. And you want to get a range, but you don't because you think you don't have enough time and he's about to split and you need to just draw instead and you're going to guess it. And, and it usually doesn't turn out well. Guessing so, on the ground is a bad thing. It's hard, dude. Yeah. So I, um, instead, I have decided I'm going to try to be responsible about this, even though, uh, you know, full transparency, y'all, the more deer that we shoot, the better it is for us. At the same time, I don't want to. Um, I don't want to be like. I don't want to taint what hunting is to me, right? Mm-hmm. For one, or for other people, but especially for me. And I don't. I don't intend to shoot ten deer a year. It might happen one year, but if I shoot ten, I feel like it won't be quite as special the next year, maybe. So I'm okay with shooting like four bucks a year, five mm-hmm. bucks a year, you know. Um, anyway, so uh, I decide. This is just me. This is person like we've talked about before. Ethics is kind of it's what you decide it is. Yeah, I, I'm not. If you want to shoot ten deer a year and you get juiced about it, go do it, man. So anyway, I hit him with a rangefinder, forty seven, kind of through the grass, but I can see him pretty plain. I feel like I'm not. I don't know. It doesn't feel like I'm hitting grass, forty seven, and I put the rangefinder down. He's looking at me the whole time, and I clip on. And this is happening real fast, y'all. And I hit him with the thing that I've learned from KC recently, like day, like oh, ten days before, maybe. I learned it that ten days before. Yeah, and this is this is why hunting with somebody you can trust, like, or at least talking to somebody you can trust in the deer woods, can give you a lot of cool information, right? Well, so I decide he's not just going to probably let me draw back and not just flip out. So as like right before I draw, I go. Just re- like literally that quiet. I mean, he it was really quiet because I didn't want to just flip him out, mm-hmm. but I wanted him to, to know, and mm-hmm. they can hear well, so it doesn't take much. So I give him that little f- f- real quiet, and at the same time, I draw back, exact same time. Well, I'm I'm like 47. I can make this shot. Y'all seen the 50-yarder on the Kansas buck. I feel good about it. I'm locked in. I'm solid, and I'm not going to shoot it unless I am, and I am like 
dialed, dude. Pull the trigger, and it's going really well. It's, I mean, it's on, mm-hmm. it's on the money, right? And uh, it it keeps going, and then it keeps <laughs> going, and it ends up hitting low, like the back of his back, like his front leg that is furthest back, and it would have been literally probably in the heart if I had hit about three inches higher. Hits the back of his leg, and I don't know. I was like so sad because it felt so good, mm-hmm. right? And that's just not – I've been practicing out to like 95 yards this year. And so he takes off up the hill. Long story short again, um, I don't have another uh, another arrow because my quiver is 250 yards away. Uh, he takes off up the hill and kind of gets – back down in the bottom through this grass i can see his antlers so i take off back and i leave michael and i run to get the quiver and i come back you know however long later all the does are gone the buck's still there but he's like around this hill and michael didn't know for sure where he was but i found him we take off through there and i basically because i have hit him i wanted to i don't i don't think that it's a fatal hit honestly but because I've hit him and given him some sort of laceration. You also hadn't watched the footage back at this point in no. time to really know where you had hit him. Yeah, I knew I hit him low. Mm-hmm. And he had a little limp um, to be like, this is this is not fun for me to tell y'all. So I just, please don't uh, think that I'm just doing this so we can make a podcast or whatever. Um, he, I end up, uh, because he's hit, I take another shot at him just because I'm trying to get I'm trying to get him down at this mm-hmm. point. I feel like if I feel like if you hit a deer, you should probably shoot at him no matter how far if you can make a pretty reasonable shot because mm-hmm. I mean trying to get him down. And so I shoot and he's he's far, but arranged him, got a shot. By the time the arrow gets there, he has hit the floor <laughs> and turned out about twenty degrees. So it's a good way to know he's doing pretty good. Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> for sure. So um Anyway, we watched footage back, and this deer, um, I think I calmed him down too much. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, because... He was expecting something to move over there, you, so... We have, we have it shot in slow motion, mm-hmm. 4K. It's like killer footage, y'all. And whenever the bow goes off, he flinches like he's going to duck, but he didn't duck. He just flinched and stayed where he was at. If he'd have ducked, it would have been a smoke, <laughs> yep. dude. And he didn't duck, and... um because uh the I think because of the and I think I mean I just think that that's like hey I'm a deer and I'm here and my he Kansas is. deer didn't move a muscle when I shot that's right and know? he was thirty thirty yes yeah which like, is a jumping distance yeah that's the yeah. toughest distance there is yeah yeah so anyway um, when it comes to jumping at least yeah, yeah we 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 searched for. a good half day there's no blood because of where I hit him um, mm-hmm. it was really just not not going to be any blood he's he's running like crazy and we we searched even the opposite direction of where i last saw him going Mm -hmm. i mean we searched for miles basically walked a bunch of stuff could see a lot of it too because like i said it was open country and never found him and so um i don't know not fun at -hmm. all not fun uh everything was fun until then but literally it's just like when i told you about the south dakota buck like um, when you hit or when you shoot a deer and you know it's not a good shot, 
and you're probably not going to find them if you have that immediately yeah, immediate realization you like <laughs> turn into from this huge anxiety or anxiety um like adrenaline beast into like an adrenaline dump that's so fast that it, it like makes me nauseous and i like i have to like close my eyes for a second and like deal with that pain it's the weirdest thing man but that's that's the way i felt as <laughs> I soon as i hit michael thought that. i smoked him yeah i bet he did <laughs> um that in 2018 when i missed that deer on the ground i remember you just lay down on the ground yeah it's a weird deal man it's such a like fallout and yeah. um and anyway that was that's kind of my story there for the oklahoma deal but well it really is like sad because that's a yeah. very nice buck yeah he's a nice he's a big tall Pretty, eight yeah yeah just good looking deer stud of a deer like you, michael did a killer job on the footage and we may release that you know, here's another thing, full transparency. We like to be very transparent on the podcast with you guys. But, like, uh, you know, we I have a buddy who recently hit a deer and couldn't find him. Searched for 600 yards, followed pretty good blood, went across a private landowner that gave him permission to look and never found the deer. And it's happened a couple times in the last couple of years. Well, he was telling me, man, it's just embarrassing because, you know, everybody's out there just killing deer right now in the rut. And it's like I, I came back with, well, who who's killing deer? Instagram people? Because that's yes, they are. They they hunt a lot, and they're going to show you the deer that they smoke. Yeah, it's hard to post the deer that you wounded. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and that's the thing, guys. Is like we've always had this stance of like we're going to show you the good and the bad because the bad is what happens most of the time, honestly, with bow mm-hmm. hunters. Like people who don't get to shoot much, who work hard for a living, and they get out five, ten, fifteen days a year, and that's about it they're not making good shots all the time. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's just the way it is. Game departments account for this stuff. And that's why it's archery hunting. That's right. And, and so that's why also it takes 125 to make a record book archery deer, not 170, like mm-hmm. a gun. You know, it's just, it's a less effective weapon. And, you know, to be honest, that happens a lot. I know a, I've heard so many stories of people losing deer this year and, it's it's it is on us to an extent, but also this is something that's very special. It happens very sparingly when you get a shot at a buck that's a big buck with archery equipment, and you work really hard for it. It doesn't matter how hard you practice. When the adrenaline happens and things, you know, there are blackout moments for lots of people, mm-hmm. and it's a good thing because it's a fun time. If it makes if you makes mm-hmm. you you know when it makes that when you make it happen, so. Anyway, I just want to say that um, we've always tried to put this stuff out, but I just know that we are thinking about this for sure, whether we want to show it on video, because there's so many people out there that will just absolutely no mercy rage you. There's also a, you know, anti, um, like, portion of the, the population that, probably doesn't need to see it so you know hopefully they're not out there seeing that stuff i mean randomly we get people that do end up seeing us shoot deer that are anti and they don't like it at all um so it's just something we have to be very careful about if you have any thoughts about it or whatever feel free to message us and we'll take uh, your thoughts but I, I would like to show it because it tells people like hey these guys are humans and this mm-hmm. stuff happens to us more than you think probably but at the same time, people don't put this stuff out because of lots of the reasons I've already mentioned. And, and it's not fun to have people just tell you, you know, go to heck. 
It's funny how many uh, clean misses you get to see on media. Yeah, uh, that's clean right. Clean miss. Yeah. It's like, well, uh, the margin there's like between clean miss and like smoke is pretty sizable. Yeah. You know, a couple inches each way. So it's like, yeah. how what many of those were in there? <laughs> yeah. How many, <laughs> how many in that were only missed uh, by yeah. three inches? Yeah. There's so. a couple takeaways there. Um, if you're hunting a spot, that's like you got a target buck you know and maybe that's your one spot to hunt you know it probably pays off to be patient and make sure like you know if you hunt this deer a lot and don't pressure him too much you might have a sub 20 shot at that deer at some mm-hmm. point in the year mm-hmm. so i learned know. a lot that day yeah. and to the point where like i do feel confident next year if i want to go back to that spot mm-hmm. in a different way of hunting that would pr- probably get me a 20 30 yard shot as opposed to 47. Dude, so. sub 30 on the ground hardly ever happens. Yeah. That is a hard thing to make happen, mm-hmm. especially in open country. Yeah. You know, I guess if you're like in out east in some thick stuff, you know, but yeah. at yeah. the same time, like it's a real good way to get surprised by a deer. Too. I know, dude. I know. <laughs> so one nice thing about the more open stuff is that you see them and can kind of judge what's about to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's uh, it's give and take, man. Mm-hmm. But like that's a, anyway, that's a, that's the story for you on what I've been dealing with in, in Oklahoma and then basically came to Texas and did a, uh, I don't know, three or four days in Texas as well. So, um, you know, there's not a whole lot to talk about there. I did, uh, pass a couple of really close bucks, um, that I was just not sure about. It kind of, I told, and it's not that I would, uh, you know, want it to be any different, but, um, if you shoot one that's close and you video all your stuff, everybody's going to give you the old question mark, you know? So anyway, we, we let some deer pass one that I really did not want to let pass. So anyway, Texas was fun, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, we, we, and you spent some time, uh, hunting Colorado and Oklahoma, and we've kind of developed some thoughts about this whole thing and some of the things that go down like post rut, you know? Yeah. So throughout this, uh, season, we're always trying to like, learn the new thing that helps us and uh it's like probably one of the reasons that y'all listen to this podcast is uh to learn you know that's what a lot of people try to do with podcasts and uh, actually probably not y'all probably just laugh at our accents a lot (laughs) (laughs) but um the if you are trying to learn some stuff about deer hunting because we do get to hunt a lot and uh that's why we do this is so that like maybe it'll help y'all learn from some of our experiences and we can all be better hunters. But, excuse me, one of the main things that we're learning or that I've learned recently is that you can take yourself out of the game and it actually makes you a better gamer in moments later. Okay. So like, uh, there's a couple different instances that I want to use to kind of explain this, or Tyler and I will. But one of the main ones, and kind of the one of the ones that got me thinking about this, was that Tyler has been doing some hunting on public and here in Texas, and has noticed that like the bucks move very wind directionally, like exclusively right now. Mm-hmm. Like they are always. W- walking with the wind in their face no matter where the bedding the proposed bedding is or food source or whatever they're going to come in with the wind in their face so you need to possibly say like you got a scrape right Mm -hmm. and you're thinking oh i'm gonna hunt on this scrape and shoot a deer well 
it's real hard when deer are making like loops to get the wind in their face to hunt stuff like that and kill a deer over the like destination, whatever mm-hmm. that, you know, say you're on private and you're hunting corn. You know, you got a destination right there. You think you're in it because you got corn at 20 yards and the does are chill and you're going to shoot a buck. Well, he's going to like not only get downwind, but he's going to walk a loop around that thing to get downwind. So um, you might think that a just off wind works good for you in that situation. But if that sucker makes 270 degrees around that corn pile or around the scrape or whatever, to come into it, there's a good chance that you're going to end up upwind of him in some sense of the matter. So um, there's really very few ways to circumvent this. And about the only way, and this kind of bit me in the rear a few years back on a corn pile, but it can work. Well, it also, to give you an excuse there, Mm -hmm. or a thought, I guess, um, it is dependent a lot of times on how much pressure the deer have. Mm -hmm. And when I was on pub in Texas, you and I were talking about this, um, but they just, you were like, man, they just know to look up. Mm -hmm. Like it's one of those places. We've hunted all over the country this year. And like I hunted a place earlier in October that didn't have a lot of pressure in Texas. Mm -hmm. And they still looked up. Mm -hmm. And nowhere else in the country. I mean, in Colorado the other day, we had does and little bucks underneath us at 15 yards, never mm-hmm. looked up. Mm-hmm. We're only like 12 foot up. You yeah. Know? <laughs> and I think that's the, that's kind of the difference is like the pressure makes those deer check it from the, check the wind yeah. when they come into a scrape or mm-hmm. when they come into corn on Texas uh, private. Like if you're hunting a small property and your neighbors all hunt and stuff, mm-hmm. then deer are probably going to come in, you know, that way. So they know too, dude. Like I feel like, a mature buck is going to eat, mm-hmm. and he likes corn a lot. But I kind of think, especially like looking around in my little neighborhood over here, they're going to go check like three or four of these places they know there's corn and smell them. Mm-hmm. And if it doesn't seem safe, they're going to not go to that one because mm-hmm. they know there's other places too. Yeah. Like they're good at it. Yeah, they are, dude. Mm-hmm. And they're hard to kill. And you, you know, I think you're getting to the point where you've pretty much got to, you've got to like play for that J hook or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so the thing to do in that situation, say you have a destination food source or a scrape, uh, or maybe it's even doe bedding on public, like maybe you don't set up to, so you can shoot at the destination. You set up 80 yards downwind of it, assuming that that deer is going to like, what would you say the comfortable smelling distance for a deer is? When he's trying to scent check something, I feel like it's like 50 yards. Yeah, I mean, that's also dependent on how much pressure probably. but yeah, like, And what, how much wind there is and yeah, that sort of stuff. We said, so um, one of the places we were sitting that got scent checked on Texas Pub <laughs> is this buck, shooter buck, good buck. Y'all probably see this video soon, hopefully. Um, comes in to this area and he's like probably he probably like gets to he's like going um uh, like say the winds out of the north he's going like east so trying to get you know downwind of this area mm-hmm. and he probably gets to like I didn't see I guess I've only seen the video but I can kind of tell it looks like he gets to about 60 maybe 50 before he like turns and heads north 
and feels pretty comfortable about going into the wind there. So, so 50 is the radius that that deer got to. Yeah, probably. And mm-hmm. I think that that's kind of where I feel like if we'd have been set up, which we did the next morning, it, but it was it was tough. But if we'd have been set up, you know, 50 yards south, he would have walked into our laps pretty much. So the concept here in this scenario is to not be able to shoot to the destination, but instead shoot that radial circumference, which is fancy words. Let me say that yeah. different. Uh, shoot the circle that the deer is going to walk around it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the buck yeah. is going to walk around it, and that might put you actually in the game, even though you're like looking at deer that are 60, 70, 80 yards yeah. away or, from most I mean, of the morning. You might be able to, you know, it depends on what you, how risky you want to get, but you might be able to sit 30 yards from the scrape and shoot 30 back behind you mm-hmm. and just shoot him before he gets to your wind or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's, there's options but for sure. In a spooky East Texas situation, a lot of times that wind is real variable. Mm, and, yes. And so the whole time we were there. Yeah. It's like two mile an hour or less. Mm-hmm. There, literally, most of our hunts were one to two mile an hour winds. It's like there's, it's all, you almost don't call it wind, you call it drift. Yeah. You're sending drifts a certain direction. Yeah. And a lot of times it's a 90 degree or more. Dude, like, there was, yeah, there was one morning where we're supposed to have a northeast mm-hmm. out of the, out of the northeast heading to the southwest. And we had two bucks come through, a younger one and a and a older one come through at the same time, mm-hmm. and they are northeast of us, mm-hmm. and they wind us on a northeast wind. Yeah, it's weird, huh? <laughs> yeah. Yep, <laughs> weird deal. Yeah. When you're down there, how far back were you hunting down there, Tyler? Um, two, like over two, over miles. two miles. Yep. How did it feel packing in all that stuff? Well, it wasn't terrible. Yeah. I, I, I will say I got some pretty light sticks this year. Um, you do too. And then uh, we've also got the new Cruiser Mini Seeker uh, platform, which is tiny and super lightweight and surprisingly comfortable for a Bigfooted dude. Substantially different than the regular Seeker. Yeah. Like, it's it's not just, like, a little bit smaller. It's, yeah. I didn't know if I'd like it or not. I, mm-hmm. I do so far. I still have some hunts to do in it before I fully make up my mind as to whether I'd like the full-size one or the, the Mini, but I definitely can pl- make plays out of the Mini and do what I need to do, mm-hmm. you know? And, and uh, I don't know, like... Uh, walking two miles is not the funnest thing ever, but with Greg Latham, we can walk it real fast. <laughs> and, uh, we, you know, it wasn't t- super heavy. That's another thing I told Greg, you know, I was like, man, this pack that I'm wearing right now with everything in it, add a GoPro, extra batteries, and a big camera and a camera arm and base. That's what we used to do mm-hmm. when it was just you and me. Yeah, self filming. Yeah, self filming. Mm-hmm. So Party. it's uh, it's it's by tough. the way, heavier sticks. Yeah, heavier <laughs> sticks, heavier platforms. Yeah, yeah whatever. But we sometimes made just tree stands. Yeah, you tree know? stands. Yeah, thirteen pound tree stands. Golly. Yeah, with a uh, big old buckle that you put on the tree first to hang it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like uh, we've come a long way, and I think those cruiser, those new mini seekers are pretty key when it comes to hunting way way back you know mm-hmm. and so you know i know we're kind of wrapping this point here but well, another we thing a couple other we, yeah but we we got you know a thing that I, I think is something that you can do in this situation think think of it as private or public right mm-hmm. public maybe scrapes or you know trail 
like a perpendicular trail crossing or something or mm-hmm. private, maybe corn or whatever. Who knows? Um, I think that you can use, we've been using the Moultrie edge cams and the base um, cameras a lot. They're, they're a, um, they're a cell cam from Moultrie mobile. And, you know, you can put this like say on your corn feeder or corn pile or whatever. Um, and you made a good point earlier not to put it too close because it gives you a perspective. You get a wide field of view and so you can really get a better picture of what's going on so mm-hmm. you know uh put it 30 40 feet off you know mm-hmm. or whatever at i think least. the effective range of those things is like 90 feet that's with optimal batteries and everything working yeah. good like yeah. so uh you know kind of half that and maybe take a little bit more off and you get about 40 feet mm-hmm. and that's you're gonna if you put that thing 40 feet from the scrape or the corn pile or the trail or whatever uh i think for the destination purposes is what we're talking here. So let's yeah. say scraper corn or food mm-hmm. source, whatever, like, um, you're going to be able to see direction of travel from all directions. Yeah. Like for instance, uh, one of those places that, that you're hunting down there, we have a camera and, um, had a really giant buck come in from straight behind the camera, walking towards the destination. Mm-hmm. And if the camera hadn't been off of that, we would have, not really knowing where that deer came from you know mm-hmm. it's pretty bad i've seen this before and i've done it you just put a camera on a corn pile you know say like we're in kansas or something and all of a sudden there's just a big buck on the corn pile You're like oh gosh giant buck but mm-hmm. then you don't learn anything about what he's doing where he came from where he went yeah and that's really what matters mm-hmm. you know because mm-hmm. like guess what we're in kansas there's gonna be some big bucks around so sure. like, we kind of already know those are there so Back off, maybe you don't get to see the details of how many like tiny kickers he has on his bases because you're kind of far away, mm-hmm. but you get to actually learn how to kill that deer as opposed to just know he's there. Then you get to look at his kickers on his bases. <laughs> um, and touch him, actually. Yeah, so that's definitely something to keep in mind because what I noticed um, on my Texas hunt especially is we had a couple cameras that we put out. I put out when I kind of got – this was a travel to hunt thing when I got down to the area, and – Every destination area, basically, if you call the camera, the camera was sitting on destination. So the, every destination camera, I, no, I noticed legitimately every buck, at least pretty much like every decent buck came in into the wind. And I think that's just a product of uh, hunting on public land in late November. You know what stinks about that is that um, the just off doesn't work. No, because not really. they are literally walking with the wind hitting them on the tip of the nose. Yeah. Like they're not, you know, we say we go to Illinois and we're like, oh, okay, we're going to hunt just off wind. You know, those deer are going to stick with it. And this is another product of Texas, right? Because they can meander anywhere they want yeah. to. So they don't like walk this, you know, transition line because there's not many of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, instead, they walk right through the woods with the wind on the point of their nose Mm -hmm. as opposed to like illinois they're going to walk this transition of like brush to fence line yeah and you could they're going to rather walk that because they can't like go through that fence line because that's where the wind really is and you can sit on that and shoot them on just off it just doesn't work on the texas public yeah it's it's very tough Mm -hmm. you know i mean they're going to walk where the wind's not on the tip of their nose uh, throughout the day but like when they get close to these places that you can find them and pattern them Mm -hmm. they're they're, they know it's like it's like in the old cowboy videos old western videos where like 
you know, they always are like, all right, we're coming through an ambush point here. You mm-hmm. know, it's like they know that set us up bad for them yeah. for the and good for the Indians. Mm-hmm. And that's where the Indians are trying to be Indian. the bucks of the Cowboys. <laughs> right. So, you know, that's that's something to think about. So when you place a camera the on commanders, we got to be PC. Sorry, yeah. sorry yep. <laughs> Um, <laughs> they, you know, when you put it on the destination, the scrape, the corn, whatever, mm-hmm. just give yourself some perspective. And also, there is a thought that you could definitely put it off of that and figure out some stuff to like where you might hunt 56 yards downwind. Mm-hmm. The only thing I don't like about that as much is you're only going to learn something on half the winds. Mm-hmm. The other half, you're just, you don't even know if there's a deer coming to the destination. I'm trying not. to get better about making a few assumptions using trail cameras. Mm-hmm. And this actually helped me in Oklahoma quite a bit here a while back. Uh, I had a cell camera. Y'all have heard me talk about it. Um, it's been up there for about near a year now and still running. We didn't go change the batteries in it. It's still running. The real low right now, but yeah. uh, Greg was supposed to change those. Was he? Yeah, funny. Uh, you forget him. <laughs> he forgot. <laughs> um, but uh, we were getting deer on camera in the like at night, but I knew that there would still be deer in the area, and I think you can do this with trail cameras a lot. Like, say you're getting a buck on a specific trail, but there's a decent amount of deer movement in the area. You're only getting that deer a quarter of the time, maybe less, mm-hmm. of that he's actually in the area. So if you get a deer on camera, say like three days that have a ten day period, dude, there's a that deer's all over that place right there. Yep. And you just don't get him on camera the whole time, so they yep. don't tell the whole story. And being able to kind of make those inferences kind of can separate you, uh, and and give you more confidence than what you might would have otherwise if you just look at the yeah. verbatim stuff. You know another another. Tip or thought I just had that uh, we've talked about before, but if you are, if you're, while we're thinking about the putting the camera on the destination, now in regards <laughs> to the corn on like private, mm-hmm. um, that's a place that you want to make sure your settings on that camera are done right. You know, mm-hmm. you want to make sure that, um, like for us, we can set all that stuff through the Moultrie mobile app, mm-hmm. which is really nice because you just pretty much turn your camera on, leave, and you're not in there hardly any time at all. And then you can set your settings or whatever. Yeah, you can change it daily, too. Yeah. Depending on if you're going to, like, yeah. if we're not in the country, or the, that doesn't make any sense <laughs> if you actually look at, uh, use it, uh, you know, correctly. If we're not hunting that area mm-hmm. at that moment, you can change it to, you know, upload every couple hours or mm-hmm. every day or whatever. Mm-hmm. But if you're hunting it, yeah, it's kind of... Nice to have up to the information. Yeah, it's nice to know. Like, there's there's deer in the area, right? There's mm-hmm. like they're using this. Like, it's nice to know when you get up in the morning that uh, man. The pictures from the last evening. Uh, there was a lot of deer around. Mm-hmm. It, maybe they're all those, but it's the rut. So why wouldn't I want to hunt where there's a lot of mm-hmm. does? You know. So there's there's that for sure. So you can change settings up to the minute, and usually you want to make sure if you're running it on corn that you're not like. <laughs> Uh, getting a picture every three seconds. Yeah, don't do burst either. No, no, <laughs> bad. Just, yeah, it's just, a good way to get a nanny doe with her ear turned just a little bit different for three pictures. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> so anyway, there's a couple other ways that you can kind of put yourself out of the game to be in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I, I I did this. I've done this a couple times. Once uh, in South Dakota, the first night I discovered that this property was for sure a good property that I ended up shooting that deer on. And then uh, I've done it in Oklahoma some too, but basically. Um, you know, get where you can see up on a hill or something like that. Um, and sometimes you put yourself in a, a position that is like advantageous to see everything you need to see, 
but you can't probably you probably won't kill a deer from where you're sitting. It's about near an observation sit, mm-hmm. which is something I hate. Yeah, but but I'm, you can make you can make moves out. Learning of that. more to do it mm-hmm. still. Uh, well, if you can make moves, it's that's a little different. Our buddy Hunter will literally because uh, he doesn't like to get up early. Yeah, like drive up at shooting light and sit in the vehicle mm-hmm. and watch a place. Sounds a lot warmer too. It does. It, it's yeah. real warm when you spew coffee all over the yeah. dash. <laughs> that dude will have that dude will have uh more optics on the window than the whole vehicle's worth. <laughs> <laughs> we were laughing about that. He has this, you know, little little car or whatever that he hunts out of and it's like, man, that dude he's got that spot and scope is worth more than his vehicle is worth. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, um, but so the the concept here is to maybe take yourself out of the game for a morning or an evening hunt, as long as you don't have to worry of pressure. Mm-hmm. But one of the things you can do when you have a car is like you can kind of show, hey, there's a dude here, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, show that you're the pressure on the <clears throat> yep. place, and maybe people don't go in there. But like, watch, see the. The deer movement, like for instance, the place he's been hunting, um, there's like no reason for the deer to go left versus right, mm-hmm. but they go left every time, and you wouldn't know that if unless you sit way off. Yeah, and so from that you can make inferences to like hang on a certain tree or sit up on the ground in a certain place mm-hmm. uh, that you wouldn't really know, like map scouting. Yeah, you know. Yeah, he um, and he hunts. It's funny, he doesn't really think he's that patient sometimes, but he hunts way more patient than I do. Yeah. And he'll he'll sit there for three days watching a property before he actually gets out and, and gets after it. And he usually ends up getting out there and, you know, shooting one in the back of the head or something, you know. So. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but, he, you know, he does. He he uh, he did shoot one in the shoulder um, and killed it. So, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, you know, but he he's he's just real good at uh, kind of uh, making assumptions. Um, he has a really good he actually has a really good creative way of thinking about things outside the box. Um, I think that just comes from um, you know being isolated in Emory, Texas, for <laughs> his whole life. You know, you know one of the funny things about like uh, talking to a guy like Hunter is that him and I hunt differently. So a lot of times, I think his ideas are dumb. Um, but they work mm. and I'm learning to like, Hey, maybe that's not dumb. It just doesn't work for me. Yeah. It's you just know? not your favorite. Yeah. It's yeah. not the way I want to do it, but yeah. that's okay. Is if he has success doing it, mm. that's good. Mm. I can probably can learn from some of the ways he does stuff. Yeah. He's it definitely, that kind of thing works. Those observation st- sits can work. And I, I'm somewhere in between that and being just bombing super aggressive. I like to, I like to be fairly aggressive, but you know, in South Dakota, I did sit at, mm-hmm. at this draw, and I, I had options. I I like to feel like I might shoot a deer, even if might it's as an well observation. Bring your boat, yeah, what you're saying. yeah, yeah. I, I like the, that feeling. So mm-hmm. I was on this little draw, or in between two draws, and uh, I knew that if because I had like a little saddle behind me, I knew that if a deer came up one of those draws, once it got down into the draw, I could dip back, go over the saddle one way or another. It would never see me, mm-hmm. and I'd have a shot in these two draws, east and west. And so that's that's another way that you can kind of put yourself out of the game but still kind of have a shot there and then um i was able to see what happened that evening hey hey (laughs) and uh and basically make those inferences that you're talking about uh pretty quickly yeah you actually sorry i didn't mean to cut you off but it was a thing that you would have never known to do 
until you sat and watched that night. Yeah. Right. I, well, so I what I wanted to do was go in and hunt. There was a, a cottonwood tree that I could see a trail. It looked like the best trail on the aerial mm-hmm. went right past this thing. And we've we've done a video on this actually called landmark trees, mm-hmm. and those are a thing where especially in like a CRP habitat. Um, if you, if there's a tree, it's like, it's a landmark and the deer use that landmark as they navigate through the CRP. So they're not just lost in the CRP and don't know where they're at. Mm -hmm. They, they see that thing and they, they actually like kind of navigate to it. They're attracted to it, to it, to a sense that's where scrapes happen a lot of times Mm -hmm. in those trees. So this landmark cottonwood is where I wanted to go and actually took in all the sticks and platform and all that thing. Another reason why, you know, cruiser is, uh, the cruiser saddles are kind of the thing that we like to hunt out of most times because you don't feel like you've put in too much work to pull a 13 pound stand in there when you just got a little bitty platform mm-hmm. and it's like i don't have to hang in that tree it's actually probably not the best idea and i learned from that evening that that tree is actually kind of out of the game mm-hmm. like fully not just out of the game to be in mm-hmm. the game you know what i mean yeah. and so um the next morning, we actually had a wind, a different wind that was going to be, um, I could see from a different angle and bedded a buck. And that evening went in and should have for sure killed him, uh, mm-hmm. but messed the shot up. So Yeah, but it was a success when it comes to like the getting close side of things. Yeah, yes. it was everything worked out except for that last mo- moment where I was trying mm-hmm. to figure out where he was at through the willows, I so, guess. But. I want you to tell me a little bit more about kind of how you've been hunting Oklahoma with the, like, either, you know, being able to hunt two different, I guess, drainages, but maybe you can't shoot from where you're sitting type thing. Mm-hmm. You know, you're out of the game, but you can put yourself in the game real quick. How do yeah. you do that? Um, saddles, like I talked about earlier, are a big part of this. So the topographical feature yep. saddle. Yeah, so, not a cruiser saddle. Not a cruiser saddle. No. But whenever you're looking at, so say you got your hybrid or your topo lines on on, on X, it's where like, um, say you got a ridge. It's a dip in the ridge, right? Mm-hmm. And people call it like a, a lion's back or something, you know, where you know how a horse, an old horse has got a sway in its back where mm-hmm. the saddle sits. Mm-hmm. That's where, let's think about that when you yep. think about what a saddle is. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, um, this is probably more plug than what Onyx should get from us, but uh, <laughs> you, uh, if you haven't figured this out yet, they have 3D maps on Onyx that I don't use for the 3D function. I use it because it's like way more detailed mm-hmm. than the regular aerial. So you go to to um, satellite, click 3D, and it's going to like zoom you out and kind of give you like a sideways perspective. Don't worry about that. Zoom back in, and the the map is crazy detailed. And it's also like an October map or something, mm-hmm. so you can <clears throat> see all the trails that happen during deer season. Mm-hmm. It's real handy. Yeah, it is. So sorry, yeah. back to no. the saddle thing. So again, on on X, you can find those saddles if you have spent time. I pretty much always have my hybrid mode on, mm-hmm. so I can see. Like now, when I look <laughs> at a map, there's not a question usually of what I'm looking at mm-hmm. topographically. Like. I, I get it. But at first, it takes some time to get used to that stuff. Well, uh, also, just from a visual perspective, if you can see well, then you know. Like, this is this – you can see a saddle on that next ridge over or whatever, and you know that if the deer – if you're making the assumptions about where this deer might end up, uh, there's three, four places where, like, 
I potentially think I would see a deer. Mm-hmm. Then you go, well, okay, if he comes up right there, then I can dip over that saddle. And that's the thing is a saddle is a low spot. So what you end up doing is going through the saddle into the next draw so that deer can't see you. If you don't have that saddle, a lot of times it's hard to get over the top of that ridge into the next draw without being seen mm-hmm. in the main draw or whatever. So that's kind of, that's the that's a good way of looking at it. Also, uh, use the topo as well to... Uh, look at uh, kind of high spots that you can see um, where you can see a lot of the potential finger draws that you think deer will be in that are come into the main draw. So you sit out on one side, have a decent wind, look into uh, lots of other little draws and the heads of those draws. You can see deer working those draws and potentially make moves on them, which we did on the buck truck episode as well. We, I, this is, that was the second time I'd been in Oklahoma. The buck truck episode we did was the first part of November in Oklahoma. KC killed a buck. We already kind of talked about that, but I had, and I also tell the story of that same scenario that I'm talking about right now, where we were able to see a deer make moves on him very quickly and mm-hmm. get, get to where we almost killed him in a matter. I mean, for, he literally is 500 yards and then all of a sudden he's 50 and, mm-hmm. You know, this is that, that takes some experience sometimes to make that happen. Uh, sometimes you can just happen into it. Uh, but either way, like you feel like you're out of the game, and then you realize, like, if you're in pretty decent shape, you can get across 500 yards pretty quick. Is there a clock in your head that stays pretty consistent on that kind of stuff? You know, like, uh, you know, you said, like, you and Michael, like, where's he at? I don't know. I, I just feel like. In my experience, sometimes they're fast and sometimes they're slow, and it's hard to kind of tell. But there's always this time of like, man, he should have been here by now. Where is he at? Yeah. And like half the time when you're feeling that way, he's still. Oh, yeah, for sure. hundred percent. dude. Like, that's a great point. I try to get places as fast as possible when I'm making a move on a deer mm-hmm. and get set up in the best place lo- as possible. And then usually... It just depends on the the habitat and stuff, but if you beat him there, then you need to all of a sudden calm yourself <laughs> because it could take like it could happen for sure quickly, and I've had it happen. It did in that case I was just talking about, like happened so quick. Uh, but the deer knew we were something, mm-hmm. you know, so he was he was making moves to try to get wind on yeah. us. But yeah, like overall, just don't don't peek up. Don't yeah. don't stick your head up and peek because you should be able to see him. You feel like by now because mm-hmm. he's just sitting there. These got no, these deer have nothing to do but survive. <laughs> That's right. They have nothing. They don't play, guys. Mm-hmm. They don't get on their phones. They don't go to work. Yeah. By the way, they're not playing cat and mouse with you. No, they're no, not. No, they're, not. they're playing they're gazelle survive. and cheetah with you. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Like, they're, yeah. they're playing. Yeah, we want to survive. Mm-hmm. Um, so what do I got to do to make that happen? Eat um, and not get killed. Yeah. And breathe just a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's not even really part of their own survival. Yeah. Well, that way well, it's the survival it's of the species. It's species survival. Yeah. And, and it is a... God made them to where they only do it for like a month and a half of the year because yeah. they'd all be dead if they did it all year long. Yeah. They'd, they'd be, be extinct. Dumb. Yeah. Dodo birds. <laughs> uh, you know, you mentioned the deer that I shot in Oklahoma on that buck truck episode. It's pretty cool. Uh, the deer was super close, so the footage gets kind of weird because he's so close. Mm-hmm. Um, but what you can see in that footage is that I hit a limb mm. when I shot, which is weird. It's the second time that's happened to me this year. And it's not a big limb, not like a, uh, you ever seen that, uh, old blooper from, uh, Bill Jordan where he, uh, 
shoots this deer where it's kind of walking. And it Which thugs. one? <laughs> yeah. And he says, I think I hit him in the shoulder. And you, it's, it was on that Real Tree bloopers thing you, with Jeff Foxworthy. You remember watching yeah, that? Yeah. And uh, ends up he smokes a tree. <laughs> and that's the thud he heard. Thunk. But um, anyways, it's not that kind of a limb. It's just a little twig. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you can see it like fall yeah. in, in the footage. And um, I'm convinced that because I'm shooting a like – not high FOC, but a good FOC setup that's a fairly heavy arrow. I've been able to not purposely do this, but get away with when situations like that happen. Because like, you know, say, throw me back to like 2017 when I'm shooting a 430 grain arrow. Like that thing is, what, you know, 20% lighter. Like that's a lot more alteration that can happen whenever you encounter stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I'm shooting that Vector HMR at like 540 grains. And uh, I think it has helped me in those situations. And that was even with a mechanical. Yeah. Right? So, like, it, I don't know. You know, if I if it would have hung a blade, it probably would have still messed it up. And But the other time Maybe. I did it was with a with with a fixed. And, you know, with that, you're, you're pretty safe, yeah. you know. And but, that's the thing, dude, is, like, you don't intend for that stuff to happen. But, yeah, dude, how many times have you hunted um, a place this year that you've seen and set up your tree stand before you actually went in to hunt. Oh, that was zero times. So. Yeah. 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 And that's the thing. Like <laughs> you go, we do so much run and gun and especially most, a lot of it, most of it's public land. And mm-hmm. so you're in a tree a lot of times in the morning, you hadn't even seen really your, what your shots are. Mm-mm. And then all of a sudden a deer's coming through and you, you're like, I think there's a twig there and I think there's one there. Yeah. Who knows what's after 25 yards mm-hmm. there. Well, guess, you know what you do when you aim at a deer? You, Pick you know, a spot. Yeah, you pick a spot, and then like the the right way to do it is to put your pin in focus in your eyeball, mm-hmm. and your deer's a little fuzzy. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what's in between there? Other fuzzy stuff mm-hmm. that you really aren't paying attention to. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So yep. uh, it's good to a know your lanes, but b shoot a setup that you feel confident. If something doesn't go optimal, it's still going to work. Plan B arrow, huh? Um, maybe not. <laughs> Yeah, man, that's funny. Uh, uh, so, different kind of plan B. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I have been doing a little bit of the um, out of the game to be in the game type stuff. This year, I've found pretty good confidence in calling. Uh, I, I've killed a couple deer using grunt calls um, throughout my hunting career, but recently the rattling antlers have worked really good for me. Now, I think that we're reaching a point in the year where most of the country, the rattling antlers kind of fall off. Mm -hmm. I I think, like, once you get off that back shoulder of, like, the peak rut, like, there's just not as much of that going on. Mm -hmm. Um, There there is a case to be made for the second rut type stuff on there, but that's a different subject. But in general, for calling purposes, um, sometimes you can go to a property or a place you like to hunt or whatever, and the wind be really bad to hunt the general deer movement. However, in calling, you can put some things in your favor to where uh, I did this in Colorado. (coughs) Excuse me. Colorado. Yeah, Colorado. That's it. Yeah. (laughs) Call me in Rada. So um, I've done it in Kansas, done it in Oklahoma, done it in South Dakota even, even though, um, you know, we're there in October. It's not the most callable, but they still answer grunt calls. Um, actually, for sure, answer grunt calls because I did this all the way back in 2020 whenever I mm-hmm. shot that deer in the shoulder. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, you can set up, if you have confidence in your calling, and the only way to do that is to use your calls, 
uh, you can set up in a place that maybe isn't in the primary deer travel corridor. You know, um, in Kansas, when I killed that buck, I was probably 200 yards off the major deer travel area, and this buck was actually 500 yards from us whenever I called at him. Mm-hmm. Um, and guess what? Brought him to the 30, right? But let me say, uh, we were on the ground and made moves to make that shot happen. He probably would have never got 30 yards from where we were sitting. Um, y'all have heard that story already. But the point is, if you are comfortable and confident in your calling abilities and have used them on deer and kind of know how deer react to certain calls and such, you can um, probably set up out of the, out of the zone Mm-hmm. But bring deer into the zone. Like, mm-hmm. So, for instance, in Colorado, it's a little different. We were setting up in a tree <coughs> there and um, weren't, I would say the deer, major deer travel path was at like 60 yards, which I'm going to try to not shoot 60 yards. Mm-hmm. Um, if he's about 260 inches, I'm probably going to shoot 60 yards. <laughs> just so you know. But, uh, he's 160 I, I like to shoot him 120 <laughs> for sure. It's a yeah, lot of fun when you is. know they're going to die. Uh, so, <coughs> knowing that, I know that I can call to a deer uh, who's maybe 100 yards away and bring him off of the trail because he wants to go see what that is. He wants to, especially you hunt in an area that doesn't have a high deer density mm-hmm. or an area that, like, they're competing for does pretty heavily. Uh, or even you, some bucks just have this mentality of, I'm going to go whoop that thing. Mm-hmm. And some of them don't. But if you find a buck that's like that, you can bring him to the base of your tree, and he'll bust through brush to get there sometimes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there is this aspect. doesn't always work as well, but you can take yourself out of the game because of a wind direction or maybe even – I wouldn't say do this, but you could hunt in a tree that's like a nice tree to hang in but isn't like the best spot and know you can call deer to you. Mm-hmm. Um so, I, so I have a I have a thought about this too. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was 2019. I spent some time on um, <laughs> a little 80 acre piece that you know up in Kansas, and um, it's just a permission piece. And basically, it's a cornfield that backs up to like some awesome CRP. And um, I'll, there were does coming out of that CRP every night, mm-hmm. and usually a decent buck around. I go over there and I'm hunting and I'm having to hunt like probably a hundred yards from that CRP in like this little kind of couple of cottonwoods that's out in the cornfield. It's just an overgrown <clears throat> ditch is about all. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, um, and so I'm having to like call to these deer. I can't get shots to them plain simple. Well, this buck comes out. He's a nice buck. And, um, I actually had this, actually had this happen a couple times. Um, all the way through like into December probably. But uh closer to the rut I had a nice like nice ten, probably hundred and forty inch ten point. And he comes out, he's nosing does around. Well I start like hitting him with some with some grunts and he kinda acted like he noticed, but then he kinda would just go around and nose and doze and I wasn't for sure if he was hearing me or not. Well and then I'd hit him with some like super loud, you know. He wouldn't he just same deal. He like I couldn't tell if he was hearing it or not. He just wasn't paying much attention. Mm -hmm. And so um, I did something. I don't know if I moved or if I grabbed a GoPro and turned it on or off or something. Kind of broke my attention on him. And next thing I know, he's like gone. And I I didn't really see where he went. And um, I'm like, start looking around like, 
three or four minutes later, I look behind me and this dude is like about near running at me from behind. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, dad gum it. So I like, I, you know, kind of make my move to the other side of this little brush and I'm going to get it drawn, drawn on him. And long story short, miss him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I sound like the worst archer in the world <laughs> on this episode, don't I? Um, so yeah. Was, you learn more from your misses than you do your kills. That's <laughs> yeah. why we talk about the misses a lot. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. like, uh, your failures teach you probably more than your successes. Cause when you're successful, you have this pride element where you're like, Oh yeah, I'm good. Yeah, man. I did it, man. That good. Yeah. I'll overlook all that dumb stuff uh, I did cause I killed him. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'm a pretty good hunter. You're right. Yeah. I am pretty good. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, um, then later on, like a couple weeks later, I'm hunting the same property and have the same thing happen. Um, and then eventually end up this deer. And what I, I guess what I'm getting to is bucks, when there's does around, especially, and you're grunting at them, they will sometimes act like they don't hear you, mm-hmm. but they hear you most of the time. Mm-hmm. They can hear those grunts from a long ways. And so if you see a deer that acts like he's not hearing you, it's just like when I showed that deer the de- the heads up decoy in Oklahoma, mm-hmm. he acted like he didn't really see us. Like he saw, he looked at us for sure saw us. And then he was like, oh, I'm just going to nibble on this willow tree here and then just stand here and just kind of like, what are you, what are you doing? What is mm-hmm. this buck doing? I don't have a clue. He's just standing there. There's does down there. I can't see them, but they're down there in the bottom with him. Mm-hmm. He sees us. He doesn't know what to do. He's thinking. It's weird. It's weird. Like, but the deer is like, I think he's processing. And, um, so I guess my point is when you go to call and stuff here in late November and on into early December, just keep in mind that, you know, if a deer's ear moves, when you call, he probably heard you Mm -hmm. and he may not look at you, but you don't have to sit there and get louder and louder and you don't have to rattle because you don't think he heard your grunt and you can rattle louder. Just, you know, you might just try to think about like being a little more subtle and it's the same deal with like when you make a move on a deer in the ground, how long, you know, is your internal clock mm-hmm. before you have to peek up and then you get caught peeking. It's the same deal. Don't get all unnatural just because you're not sure if you heard you or not. Mm-hmm. If you can still see him, if he's still hanging around right there, yep. then he's probably thinking about it. I think too that natural thing's a big deal. Mm-hmm. I I've really changed the way I use rent calls because I think the common thing is to go but Bleh. Bleh. That's what we heard on and that's what, public. Yeah. <laughs> yep. That's what people do. But if you ever hear a deer grunting in the woods, it's not that. Every once in a while, they'll go, Bleh, and like make a loud grunt. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times, especially if they're with a the doe, they're going, Bleh, 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 Bleh. They're like saying sentences to that girl. They're whispering to <laughs> yeah. her, right? So I think that in that situation, <clears throat> I've seen uh, Rod White do this, mm-hmm. uh, where he's got a buck with a doe. He wants to kill that buck, and the buck's acting like it's not responding. Well, Rod doesn't just keep getting louder. He instead starts talking deer to this thing. Mm-hmm. The deer go- goes off for 10 minutes, comes back to investigate later. Mm-hmm. I think that a lot of times, and I did this in Colorado, I called not to kill the deer right then, but I called to just pique his interest, because they remember oh, stuff. Oh, yeah, dude. They know. They got nothing else to that's do. That's right. They want to know where every deer is yep. in their general area. And when they hear, like, for instance, in Colorado, we rattled a buck in. The buck uh, just so happened to see a uh, red panda in a tree. Uh, <laughs> but uh, we rattled at him when he's at 200 yards, or probably 300 yards. I know he hears it because it's quiet, you know. And But I stop. I don't just keep on going until uh, he shows up, right? But a rattle, 
and I know he's going to end up showing up. And what happens? 15 minutes later, I see him while I'm glassing at 80 yards. Um, so there's this thing you can do where you make a natural sound that tells a deer, hey, there's a deer over there. And if that, unless that doe is in standing estrus, wanting to get bred, there's a real good chance that he's going to come check you out in a little bit. Mm-hmm. So um, I would say don't do the progressively more aggressive calling until you get a response. But mm-hmm. there is a sense of like you made uh, audio contact with this deer. Mm-hmm. Maybe continue to sound like a deer in a deer situation. Mm-hmm. Like especially whenever I've seen bucks kind of running does. Like, say it's like a little rut fest, which mm-hmm. is what we call, like, when a buck, like, busts up in some does and, like, starts nosing them, right? Yeah. He'll go, brrrt, brrrt, and then when they start running off, you know, almost like a feeding call. Yeah, I was just thinking that. I was like, you know, it's the same concept for those of you that did that duck hunt. Like, if if you're just messing with your buddies in the blind or whatever, and all of a sudden a group of mallards buzzes you, and you're like, oh, get down, get down. You know, you don't hit them with the loudest hill call ever. Right, you give mm-hmm. them a little feed call because they're close, right, mm-hmm. and then and that's natural, mm-hmm. and you know they've already seen you, mm-hmm. and so there's no reason to to do a competition hail call with 17 notes in it, you know. <laughs> but yeah. you know that's and that's that's the same concept with deer. Just think about it that way. Is like, man, how can I sound natural and just pique this dude's interest? Because like I said, they got nothing else to do. They will come back. They are good at living, they man. Are. Then they do not cut you any slack. They live in their elements that's it they live in the elements out there okay so <laughs> that's like that buck that we spooked in colorado like as soon as he re- it didn't matter how natural i sounded what i gave him as soon as he realized he didn't like that tree wiggling over there he was outy mm-hmm. and we're talking about tail tucked type yeah, outy. it's crazy because they can't see red right mm. and somehow they did <laughs> well he was covered in a bunch of other colors that they see <laughs> gotcha. real well yeah. so um yeah but anyways <laughs> I, I'm not trying to harp on Eric too bad. He does a real good job videoing, but um, he does. it's just the nature of the beast when you start filming your hunts. Like I've spooked a deer too this year uh, as well. I'm sure I can't really think of a time, but uh, <laughs> I have. I bet. I, oh, I ain't telling how remember you the boot spook when we gave you the boot scooting buggy in Kansas. We gave you that song. Oh yeah, yeah. well <laughs> that was a thing for sure. <laughs> yeah, definitely didn't kill him. Just gotta keep you honest, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> But uh, <laughs> dude, that was yeah. the funniest dance ever. Casey <laughs> started dancing. <laughs> it was ridiculous. Yeah, the boot spooking boogie, baby. Boot spooking boogie. Well, man. guys, uh, reduce your boot spooking as much as you can mm-hmm. this year. All right, that's going to be the best way for you to kill deer. But remember that you can take yourself out of the game, but it's actually still putting you in the game. And one of the other things you can do right now, take yourself out of the game to put you in the game, is just concentrate on Thanksgiving and being with your family. Mm-hmm. Like, give them the time they deserve. Don't be so selfish that you want to be out in the woods the whole time and be a grumpus or whatever whenever you need to be, you know, participating in family stuff and truly be thankful um, and know who you're thankful to. I can't tell you how many times I see people like, blessed, thankful. Okay, well, who do you direct these Thanksgivings to? <laughs> who are you blessed by? Uh, are you think about that man. much? Good yeah, vibes. It's a, just put it out in the universe, in the universe you know, crystals and all that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Stay far away from that stuff, guys, because we got a creator, and he is blessing us, has blessed us with his son, and we have a lot of stuff to be thankful for. Uh, thankful for these deer, thankful for this, for this creation, thankful for our families, and we're thankful for y'all. You know, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. we got some big opportunities uh, in life because of y'all, and I can't tell you mm-hmm. how cool that is. Uh, if you've been around since the old... Um, 
briar tuck days you know mm. all that stuff Dad, burning brownie it. points all that you know like you you're you the real deal man okay? you <laughs> somehow i don't know if you relate to that stuff <laughs> then you either were just young at the time mm-hmm. or just an idiot yeah because <laughs> we were idiots we for were, sure still are actually uh, but anyways thank y'all for for uh Riding through all this stuff with us and being, mm-hmm. being loyal listeners to what we do, uh, y'all keep us honest. Make sure we're not being stupid every once in a while or all anytime. Mm-hmm. And uh, remember, this is your element. Live in it. Market House has the cleanest, leanest, juiciest meat and seafood shipped to your home overnight. Expect the service of a local butcher and the convenience of a large supplier. Unlike many online butchers, you can grab just one meal's worth or lock in for a subscription box. Choose from grass-fed and grass-finished beef, American Wagyu, free-range poultry, grass-fed lamb, wild-caught king crab, seafood, and more. For 15% off your first order, use code COUNTRY at checkout. Just visit MarketHouse.com. That's M-A-R-K-E-T-H-O-U-S-E dot com. And use the code COUNTRY. You ever get that feeling the walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating you? You crave some wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe in a spot all your own. Well, head over to Land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, streams, you name it. Search by acreage. You can search by location. You can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of. Land.com. It is where the adventure begins.